Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Kids, I'm Martyr. I'm C. Tepper. And this is <gasps> Wigging <Wow>. Out. <laughs> God, okay. I wanted Sorry. to go Alaska on that one. We're a little loopy today, I guess. I don't know why. My chai tea really kicked in today. I've been up since seven. I'm tired, but like I'm in a good mood because I'm talking, we're talking to one of my favorite people Yay. in the world. And what so episode is this? um it's a valentine's day episode oh it is a valentine's day episode that's a gag <laughs> which oh is God. great because they're looking real like a snack right now they look real good <laughs> <laughs> they sure are caitlin who are we talking to okay who are we talking to so all the way from california but y'all know them from brooklyn it's black d hey mortals yes. <laughs> yes. oh my god hi babe yeah. I haven't seen your face in a minute. It's yeah. probably like October. I literally <laughs> saw you a year ago for my birthday, but it wasn't like a birthday party. It was just an event happening at my birthday. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I can't remember what yesterday was because I feel like what is time nowadays with like oh, going on? Right. For real hey, though. The thing that I that I like, I feel like I miss the most about people like personal interactions with just like seeing people's faces mm-hmm. and like I know we have like zoom and whatever but like seeing you two over just like I don't know it's just bringing back all the feels of Brooklyn and drag because like honestly before you guys hit me up with this I have not been thinking about drag for the most part I've just been like you know just doing me right now like all the girls say I think we all are though yeah I don't think anyone's really con- like thinking about their drag careers unless you apply to drag race that's about it like everyone else is kind of like I did thank you <laughs> okay as candy is this season candy is like I'm like living for her like stereo moment in the first episode oh my god so good so yeah. good I love the Brooklyn rep this season so far so. so just candy well i'm <laughs> counting candy and olivia i know olivia is not technically she just brooklyn, lives but... in brooklyn she was never brooklyn queen though but i love I her mean, so Lux once when she came to mocha light and uh fisty meaner's show at Matthew park called sorry mm-hmm. i've been drinking and i think it's she had just moved to brooklyn from like jersey or Golden yeah Beach. she's from jersey yeah and she was really sweet she was like just trying to like work the bars and trying try to get a feel of the scene but i don't think the dive bars in brooklyn was like what she was looking for because no. her, her hair which is beautiful by the way that up to though was like half the ceiling immaculate <laughs> i think it's a very you have to be a very specific type of queen to like consistently do brooklyn in a good way not in a bad way so, <laughs> yeah no, i agree shall we get our questions yeah i'm ready Caitlin? so I guess this kind of combo question because Martyr's like, I had two different topics. Martyr's like, it's going to be answered in the first question. <laughs> what's going on with you in the pandemic right now? So what's going on with me in the pandemic right now is that I'm kind of doing a like restart in a sense. I'm kind mm-hmm. of like taking advantage of the chaos to find my so-called like inner peace, kind of like mm-hmm. controlling my controllables. Like originally when the pandemic had first happened, it was 
almost a year ago. It was like March. Yeah. When it came over in like New York City, we started to shut down. And at that time, I was working my like day job while still being like semi full time, like doing drag in Brooklyn. Because at that time, I had Bark After Dark. I had like Wallbreaker. I had, mm-hmm. you know, just like performing and just trying to do my best. But then uh, I'll never forget this. When uh, the pandemic happened, like I was furloughed and then all the bars were closed. I was like, okay, I'm going to do live shows. And, oh, online. Oh, yes. And <laughs> right after the Oops Girls had like did their like infamous live show and everyone was like doing like, okay, let's all do live shows. And I was planning my like Willow tribute show. where I had, like, Willow Smith? Willow Smith. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I remember that. I remember that. Oh, yep. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I love her too. She's kind of like, I feel like if I was born a, uh, you know, natural born quote unquote woman that mm-hmm. I was Willow Smith, you know, I feel like she's like, yeah, I feel like she's like my missing part. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of her music just like really just vibes with me. And I feel like that would have been like cool kind of like concert to give, give the fans and the yeah. peeps, uh, kind of like uh, an, an anthem for her show and her music. And mm-hmm. also, I just wanted to kind of like show off a little bit flex because I performed most of her songs already. So I had like the outfits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget it this night because it was when uh, Instagram couldn't handle the load of all the live shows. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was, I think it was the first time Instagram Live like crashed during all the live shows. And I was in my <gasps> friend's studio with my friend Jason, who did who does a lot of photography uh, for my house, House of D. Uh, mm-hmm. and the studio uh, and we, everything was set up and vibes just did not work. Mm-hmm. I would not work. And all, the only thing I remember from that night was I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. You know what? It's not happening. It's done. I can't do it. And I took off my wig, mm-hmm. I took my makeup off my suitcase, went all the way home. I went to my roommate and I was like, can I just like get your, your Lime Rita Budweiser? I'll give you $3 in the morning. I promise I'm just like going through the motions because at that time I was basing I was basing my drag and my career off of just like you know staying, staying relevant or being that bitch mm-hmm. or just like build that repertoire of the rat race that is the scene. Yep. There was something that just clicked in that moment where I I just didn't want to just do it anymore because in that moment I was just doing it for right the relevancy because drag mm-hmm. was just starting to transition into that like digital platform. Yep. And I. I just, I don't know, something just, I, what I call now my inner bitch, but there was something in me that was just like, we're just not doing this. Mm-hmm. And I was just going through like, what's called the dark night of the soul. That's when I was just like, felt like I just couldn't do anything. Cause like drag for me saved my life. I know a lot of people say that and mm-hmm. people too, but for me, drag literally saved my life and doing drag in Brooklyn specifically because uh, it was able to like, let me figure out my gender identity and a non biased environment mm-hmm. uh, because Brooklyn drag or the Brooklyn community at that time this was like 2017 allowed people to like just like be free and be whatever and like I wasn't doing drag for that anymore I wasn't doing drag to have fun or be free from my gender expression it was like a job at that point yeah and and like any job when you get to a certain point when you kind of like either plateau or it just isn't fulfilling your soul you just leave and not that I left drag but I took a pause to kind of just figure out like, okay, at that point I felt like the world was ending and it was like March or April. Yep. <laughs> I just bit the bullet and I just, I went back to therapy for my mental health and I started talking to my therapist and I got a psychiatrist and not that like, I was like unbalanced per se, but it definitely added a, a lot of clarity and I, I got a lot of awesome tools to figure mm-hmm. out, hey, you know what? 
I feel like I'm like, I'm on my unemployment and I'm kind of in a safe bubble to kind of be privileged and the certain privilege that I have, which is, okay, I'm getting money from the government. Mm-hmm. Work. Let me work on me. And let me honestly like work on me because I felt like mother earth, the world, whatever guy, whatever you want to call it was telling us, bitch, I'm hot. I'm hot, you know, <laughs> calm down. You kids are grounded, stay inside for a couple <laughs> months. And let's talk about it. What happened those couple months in India, you can see the Himalayas for the first time in centuries. A lot of smog was clearing up in China. Like the, like the whole world at once was kind of slowing down and people mm-hmm. were, you know, and I know a lot of people talk about the quarantine 15, but if you think about beauty and weight in, in that sense, of like back in the day, and I mean, back in the day in like medieval times, people who were bigger were actually saw as wealthy and joyous and, Mm. And cool. And I feel like a lot of people are getting back to a healthier site and, and, you know, whether that was getting weight or doing vocational stuff, but to answer your question and that long tangent, <laughs> I, I love it. A, a restart, uh, bringing it back. I was just doing a restart. And that day when the Willow show didn't happen, I'm grateful for that moment because it kind of shook me up because I wasn't doing drag for me anymore. I was doing it for the audience or for whoever, because I was a pretty guardian in Brooklyn. I had to do everything for everyone. And then mm-hmm. I was myself and it kind of got to that point, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I know you went back to California where you are originally from. What yeah. led to that decision? Yeah. So that actually ties to back to my therapy too. Um, my therapist who uh, honestly, like she is so cool because she talks a lot about, she's very open to a lot of ideas and concepts. And so I was experiencing a lot of just trauma and turmoil um, from the past summer, mm-hmm. not, just, not just from the police brutality stuff and not just from the pandemic, um, but a lot of uh, spiritual stuff too. Mm-hmm. And sense, I connected with my dad, my dad's Nigerian. And so he told me the meaning of my uh, legal name, which oh. is, my legal name is Ololade Oguntayo, which is Nigerian for the bringer of wealth whose home welcomes the God of iron. And so once, mm-hmm. he, once he told me that, all this other stuff, stuff started happening it's like I just started having a lot of spiritual experiences and you can just take that for whatever that is mm-hmm. and I was seeing a lot of signs and a lot of things in my synchronicity that was telling me to go back to the beginning like go back home and mm-hmm. and not necessarily go back home and to like to run away but like go back home and kind of just like I wanted to go home and kind of help my family okay a lot in New York City and I learned a lot of drag um with myself in terms of just like, uh, like either mental health stuff or a lot of stuff in my activism. And I wanted to bring that back home because something that one of my teachers told me in like high school, I'll never forget was that, because I grew up, I'm originally from like South Central, so like uh, mm-hmm. South LA or like South Bay. And one of my high school teachers always said how people, you know, leave the ghetto, quote unquote, they'll make it and they kind of never go back. Um, mm. I made it per se, but again, we're in this rare opportunity where I personally believe anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take all my experiences that I've learned from, from Brooklyn and kind of bring it back home to kind of help my family. Because um, let's say, because something I, you know, I'm telling myself is that how can I go out and help the world if I can't even help my home? Yeah. You know, that's something that I want to do. So I'm kind of spending time to do that. Um, but also um, I was dealing with a lot of just like, just, I don't want to say drama per se, but I, I moved to back to LA in like in December. Mm-hmm. And like the summer, let's say it was like a roller coaster. And I want to say around October, September, no, it was like September. I was kind of like creeping back into like social media and like the drag scene because I've been working mm-hmm. my 
tape, which is coming out. Um, actually, it's coming out um, in February and Valentine's Day. It's be- <laughs> wow, we did not plan this, everyone. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> we did not plan this, so. I was like, perfect plug. Uh, <laughs> that's called D-Mix Tape Part 1 and 2. Um, it'll be that's a lot awesome. of fun from like Lady Boy. Uh, if you like boyfriend twins and all that fun jazz and breaking binary, those stuff will be recorded finally. But I was working on that stuff and I was like slowly promoting my new kind of form I was creating. And I kind of got into some some drag drama. Uh, in Brooklyn? Girl, in Brooklyn of all places. Oh. Could you please in Brooklyn? I was like, in it's Brooklyn? not gonna be in LA. LA is like, I don't know. It's not like that there. <laughs> I was just like, long story short, girl, I was just like in a, a, a crazy living situation where uh... I was in a, what my therapist says, in a very like delicate situation where I'm mm-hmm. going into like, you know, new forms or I'm just in a vulnerable state right now. And yeah. I needed a place of like, kind of like uh, unconditional love and not be in a living situation where I'm like looking over my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that later, but um, yeah. I, that was kind of like, I would say the last straw where I realized I don't have to be in New York to do drag anymore. Nope. Because drag is- There's no up. drag happening here. I mean, there <laughs> is, but not really. <laughs> no, there really isn't that much of a quote unquote community. And we can get into that if you guys really want to. Yeah. Uh, in my eyes, in terms of what I consider the community when I started compared to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just realized there was quote unquote, like nothing here keeping me here. Mm-hmm. When, I first, when I first moved here, I didn't know for what I was and I wanted to make a name or just make something for myself. Mm-hmm. But now I know who and what I am and I can be anywhere. So mm-hmm. I choose to be in a place of unconditional love and mm-hmm. sunshine. And so I chose uh, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know, I'm like so, freezing in my bedroom right now. <laughs> I know, I'm literally freezing. Like I put my jacket on while we were talking. <laughs> You hateful bitch. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to be. I'm just a, a mean black lady. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so we're talking about where you are now, but I want to go back Ooh. and talk about how you got into drag. So Ooh, yeah. how did how did that all happen? All right. So if we're gonna do that. It has to be. We have to go back in time, which I guess now it would be my drag anniversary is technically coming up. It's actually January 27. That's when I had my first official like booking oh, which cute. Was my first show uh or my first time like doing quote-unquote I guess drag yeah it happened in 2016 um I call that for me the year that should never be named because I know a lot of people that was like a blackout year even compared to 2020 if you think mm-hmm. about it 2016 was just like just insane besides mm-hmm. like I'm being elected but for me um that's where I lost like my like dream job I lost my dream job. I like lost my like best friend. I was dating. I considered like the love of my twenties. Like Mm -hmm. we had like a really tumultuous breakup, Mm. and then to put the icing on the cake, Trump had just got elected. Yep. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be in the concentration camps next week anyway. (laughs) So (laughs) the scary thing is that's kind of what happened too. (laughs) Hello. Yeah. So I just it was like, uh, I just like started just like wearing makeup and started just experiencing my gender expression that I've been kind of like creeping creeping into because I just started listening to Cakes Tequila and Leaf and I saw these cakes. bodies being like feminine which in black culture in the black community a masculine or male figure should not be feminine it's just like mm-hmm. all I know that's in like every community but in the black community oh I know it's yeah very specific 
Um, and so just so to see that, I was like, oh my God, that's just like me. And seeing them be mm -hmm. feminine, just like be themselves, I started to do that too. And uh, my weed dealer at the time who was producing shows in Brooklyn, uh, he was, he had a show at Matthew Park called Wallbreaker. Mm -hmm. name, oh, sorry, not Wallbreaker. Oh my God, sorry. Not Wallbreaker. <laughs> we could edit it. We could edit it. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, it was a show called Otterbox. Otterbox from Jorge. Um, mm -hmm. Every park at the time, and this was 2017. Okay. When the booking for January, and he heard he heard how I had this breakup, and he said, "Hey, I know you started to write poetry, and started to to do like these open mic nights." Because at that point, I was just like spewing out my heart, mm -hmm. just like and like lyr like lyrically um, as poems, and I started to just like talk to like talk out the poetry as kind of like the slam poetry, but then I added music to it, and I was like, "I guess I'm rapping, cool," and then. So he's like, our box is coming up. It's your birthday in January. Do you want to perform? I was like, oh my God, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I had all my friends at the time. I did this whole mass Facebook invite of like 100 people. And only five people showed up. Showed, showed up. So little did I know that would be foreshadowing for just a lot of beginning. Forever. <laughs> you know? Just for New, New York nightlife. Um, and, but for me, having my birthday in January, my birthday is on New Year's Day. It's always, oh, you're a Capricorn? I'm a Capricorn and mm -hmm. I rock on Capricorn Earth sign. Uh, <laughs> very stressful for birthdays if you're born around the holidays because my because most people aren't really like in town or can afford because mm -hmm. it's right up to Christmas, all these other things. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's very anxious. Um, so I did a song and Mary Cherry was there and Honolulu was there. Honolulu mm -hmm. actually opened. Uh, and it was really cool. So that was my, my very first show. And then ever since then, I just started going to Matthew Park and started to realize there was this whole community that I didn't realize was underneath me. Um, and that was 20, that was January, 2017. And that, yeah, and I guess like the rest is like her three, base three. Um, <laughs> my first, like my first like official, official booking after that was this show called Good, it was this show called Good Karma. And that was actually where I met Harajuku. And this was at uh, Bazaar Bushwick. Mm. R.I.P. But not really. Right. <laughs> um, so you've had many drag names throughout the years. How? What? Tell us about the journey of all the drag. Yeah. So my very, very, very first <coughs> drag name was actually Leib Dubois, and it was mm -hmm. spelled like W.E.B. Dubois. Um, yeah. Well, kind of like that connotation, and if you said it really fast, it sounded like Lady Boy, mm -hmm. but for some reason a lot of people who read that did not get that and so yep. i was, was very uh it wasn't it was never late dubois it was very lady bois mm -hmm. lady, lady bois or lady boys and so then i was like okay let me just like condense it right so then mm -hmm. i was like hey lay l-a-e then d period mm -hmm. boy so lay the yeah. boy and then i was lady boy and that was because at the time i was just experiencing uh, experiencing a lot of gender dysphoria and and I wanted to kind of figure out how I can present myself in this drag form. And I felt at that time, I was like, I'm not really necessarily female, but I'm not necessarily male. And little did I know that was a term called gender non-binary mm -hmm. that I would uh, soon identify as, but I was a lady boy because I felt like I was a lady boy. Mm -hmm. uh, but that kind of bit me in the foot because a lot of people didn't really uh, accept me as my drag sona at the time because it really wasn't polished. It was very androgynous. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's where everyone wanted to be like fishy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that's still a thing now, which I honestly, I don't understand. Cause I feel like if someone could perform, let them perform, give them a chance. You never Absolutely. Know. Oh man. And progress. Uh, and then from there it was lady for a hot second. I was just lady. Uh, and then after Lady, I became Black Lady. Um, mm-hmm. And fun fact, I said that I came. I did a post about this on my Instagram a couple months ago, mm-hmm. but it was for a World. It was for World AIDS Day, and mm-hmm. I talked about why I called myself Black Lady, which was when I found out I was actually HIV positive in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I called that my like, incubation period because like I was still dealing with myself, and I felt like I was tainted, so I felt like my blood was literally black. Mm. Um, demon so I was like I'm becoming this thing um and for it to sound like black lady was actually an afterthought so I just like love how that worked out um, <laughs> and uh, now I'm black D because now in my drag journey black lady is in a state of stasis mm-hmm. you know coronavirus the crown virus since shockwave across the world and many drag stoners did not survive except for one who was actually caught between life and death and that's black lady and so I'm waiting for my masculine side to be my Prince Charming to wake her up because when she comes up, everybody's gonna be canceled. <laughs> but um, so Black D is gonna be uh, kind of what Lady Boy would have been if I never became Lady or Black Lady if I never really uh, became more of a feminine, feminized version of my drag. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really was kind of. I don't want to say like this, the social pressures of drag, but I definitely did want to fit in in the community. And so I wanted to get booked and I slowly made myself more film and more film. But the reason why, as I grew more into my drag zone and more into who I was confidently, I felt more comfortable as like the darker side of my drag opposed mm-hmm. to the side. Cause a lot of people see that I can do both well if I wanted to mm-hmm. both in one face. But when I air to my dress film or like really like fishy, Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like that is what I should have been if I wasn't stuck in this male body. And mm-hmm. so we, there's that kind of disconnect of gender identity still that was like leaking in. Granted, I was like black lady. And so, and that was some of the shadow, the stuff I was doing with my therapist, which is called shadow work is when you kind of like meditate and go in and you see kind of why the things you do that you do and you kind of add awareness to your stuff. And I was like, well, okay, why do I feel like when I, you know, dress my face really film or if I wear clothes that are like really film that I feel like this feels wrong not that I feel like dressing up as him is wrong but why do I feel like I feel I guess I felt I felt very frustrated that like why isn't this me this should have been me this isn't fair Mm -hmm. now I'm learning to accept my masculine side because of course we know in this world uh, masculinity there's a lot of toxic masculinity but masculinity inherently is not toxic of course but the patriarchy of this world has made it toxic and so a lot of people identify masculinity as a whole as toxic and so they kind of you know they kind of keep at arm's distance or they don't want to have anything to do with it and I was definitely one of those people for a long time and but now I'm realizing you know granted I don't want to like create dogmas and tell other people what to do or say or whatever but how I feel Mm -hmm. personally is that masculinity isn't uh toxic and and for me as Black D it's going to be this Black gangster rapper who's a ghoul and so all my songs that I didn't have the confidence to like rap or say or record as Lady Boy I'm going to do it as Black D so so consider this is where you know I'm seeing Corona as like a kind of time or dimension shift where you know we're, we are who we are now but we're kind of like have different direct zones mm-hmm. so, so it's like who I am now is connecting to 
the part of me that's that was kind of missing the like the, the masculine side I've always always looking for whether that was in hookups or whether that was in mentors you know that masculine kind of archetype so now I'm just finding that for myself you actually answered um my next couple of questions in that one oh, we love when that happens though so <laughs> that makes <laughs> me very happy if you I'm don't, like, like you don't cut me off. I will run them out. No, <laughs> we want that. You're on a podcast. That's like the whole point of this. <laughs> um, I think we're good for a break because you answered like everything that is. Yeah. Um, and I think we're good on time. So yeah, um, we're totally good on time. So we can take a. Let's do just like a break. Um, we'll intro. Take a little, yeah. Well, oh, that's what I was doing, Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll be right back, kids. Yay. Bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, Lay, do you remember where we met? Cause I don't. Yeah, girl, it was at, uh, never, I don't, I always say I never forget. When I say stuff like, I never forget, I really mean that because these are moments that really make me smile. Cause I was at, uh, Dragnet and, uh, no, no, sorry, not Drag. I always give them a cute confused. It was, uh, for Mrs. Miss BK, currently mm-hmm. called Mix BK now, but back then it was called Mrs. Miss BK. I remember that. H. And I was actually, I saw you and I'm a very aesthetic person. I'm a very visually inclined person as I assume most drag performers are, but you stood You'd be out surprised. You <laughs> had, you know, your, which is now your trademark all white look, but you know, the only person at that time I feel like was only doing like a white face was like Untitled Queen in Brooklyn. Mm. And so not that I was like, oh, that's Untitled Queen. Cause like everyone, you know, she just has a specific look. But, you yeah, know what Untitled Queen looks like. So I saw you and then I was like, oh, this bitch is going to be, she's going to be one to look out for. And then, so me just like, I just like to talk to the girls and just like to see and just size of the competition. And I went up and I was like talk, talking to you and then no tea, no shade girl. But I you're was like, like oh. no competition here. People can't see it, but your energy was like at like one or two, but your look was at eight or nine. So I was like, that oh. sounds about right. I was like, oh, yeah. reader, reader. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, I'm shy. I can't help it. It's funny that you have a podcast because you don't like to talk. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I like to talk, but I like to listen more. Unlike some people. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're back, kids. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we're just reading each other. But okay, we read each other, but after hanging out with Adriana and Isaac on um my wig, that's our podcast mm-hmm. right now. Oh man. I'm so nice to Martyr in comparison to Isaac and Adriana. Like, I am like a freaking angel compared to how um, Isaac treats Adriana. But it's so funny. I'm obsessed with them. They're going to be um, on here at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely have a crossover event. Yeah. Of I, this season. I'm kind of obsessed. But, oh, man, I'm so much nicer. That was wild. <laughs> um, like a lot of podcasts right now, too. Like, the kind of, if they have, like, a different dynamic, they, like, tease each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a little it's bit. all love. 
It's because our birthdays are right next to each other. So we yeah, they're literally the Aquarius. Yeah, we're both Aquarius. I'm literally the day after March. That's why you're weird, but in the best way. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Always. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, The curse of the Aquarii. Aquarii? Yeah, I guess so. The age of Aquarius. We're literally in it right now. Mm -hmm. Did it start? It started in December. No, 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 no. That's just the, no, no, the age of Aquarius. That's different than like the actual zodiac sign. It's complicated. I don't, know. I don't know any. Okay. It's a good thing. It's good. That's all you need. It's, it's possible. Yeah. It's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I well I so I know Lay. I don't know if I I don't remember that night. Um, I barely remember anything nowadays. I I blame the poppers, but I so do remember you doing boyfriend twins. I think it was the first time. Was the first time at Macri Park. The very first time I did Boyfriend Twins was not at Mavery Park. It was at, mm. at an open set. And oops, it was at an open set. It was the first time I actually performed it. And the mic did not work. Uh, the mic didn't work. And I'm laughing because this whole trend of events is really funny because the mic didn't work. And so it was really, it was a very communal moment because everyone started to cop their hands to help with like the rhythm for the music. Mm. And I was rapping, which was cute. And then the DJ at the time was DJ Pat. And he mm-hmm. felt really bad. So he was like, hey, I'll book you for fake news. I said, mm-hmm. bitch, bet. So I was not complaining. But yeah. That was that uh, Rosemont. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I love that. But um, sorry. I'm trying to think Are of you okay? My brain not work right now. <laughs> Wait, you said you had a question for us. No wrinkles. What's your question? Oh yeah, Lay, you said you mentioned a question. Oh before. yeah, okay. I was gonna ask you guys, since it's like the day, what would you rather be a 30-year-old virgin or be someone who's 30 year old 30 someone who is 30 years old who has never had a Valentine? Well, considering I'm almost that one, that one. <laughs> I mean, as someone who is 30. So by the time this airs, I will be 31. Um, I, th- I, I guess I'd rather not have a Valentine. Like you can have relationships other times of the year. Um, she has a boyfriend, y'all. So that's, not, <laughs> that's out of the question. Your answer then. I'm trying to think. I've I've only had a Valentine. I think three years in a row and that was it because I was in a relation long-term relationship and then every other year I usually have like hookups on Valentine's Day but like not, nothing not concrete not <laughs> like yeah. an actual Valentine what's your answer mine the reason so okay so give you a little before I give you my answer I came up with that question because currently I'm 29 so I will be 30 next year because that's how math works right yeah. uh, so for V-Day so next year I will be the, the former of that question. Like I would be someone who is like 30, 30 years old who has never had a Valentine. Okay. Uh, me, and I think about that cause I'm like, would I rather not have a Valentine and you know, and just like know the, you know of like being free or whatever mm-hmm. or would I rather be a virgin but I can still be with someone who loves me unconditionally mm. but or at least know what that's like to be with someone on Valentine's day. I think Valentine's Day is overrated. Someone who like was always like, you know, 
when you're cis woman like it's very forced upon you more than like any other gender so like I feel like it's just a social construct <laughs> but out of it that way too like the fact but, that I like straight people <laughs> I just wanted to say I am happy you are on our episode for Valentine's Day because you were talking about self-love and self-care and I think that's very an important time to do that yeah. right now I, so, I yeah it worked out um, I agree we totally planned it we totally planned we it. totally planned all of this to happen today <laughs> and your album's coming out we yeah, your album this was like so planned so far ahead <laughs> I will say without the, a word I said as said before the break, which is called synchronicity. And so, mm-hmm. so synchronicity uh, is a psychological term that talks about finding the, the coincidence, like the, the meaningless and random in random moments, right? Or like, say for instance, all day you might see the number three and mm-hmm. then you, you get home and then you get like three text messages. You're like, what does this mean or whatever? Or like you might dream about something and then it, it happens in real life or vice versa. It's like just finding significant moments and whatever and I feel like we just had that like synchronic moment and like b-day and you guys planning this and my music coming out and yeah I feel like that happens actually with a lot of our podcast episodes like it just ends up being very timely and we certainly mm-hmm. did not necessarily plan no, it that way we didn't plan that at all that it worked out because like ladyboy you know my my drag and black especially black lady too uh, they mm-hmm. were actually from like heartbreak specifically mm-hmm. like I mentioned like the guy I was seeing at the time uh, when I turned whole when I was like lady boy uh, which is ironic because that person is like they're not like a DJ in this scene like that in any way mm-hmm. that oh mm-hmm. there's you know DJ now um and it's something that I was like telling them at the time like hey I believe in you I have this talent whatever and that was just a situation where someone wasn't ready to receive my love and so mm-hmm. like, after them right it's like why doesn't this person like me so when, uh, when the struggle sometimes we put it on ourselves instead of realizing you know it has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. um, it's a hard lesson but it was frustrating because he was the first guy mm-hmm. who ever really accepted me as someone who's gender non-binary mm-hmm. and the thing for me I was like I'll never find this again mm-hmm. and so uh but then I realized like as I came into like Brooklyn nightlife and the gay community I had this power this voice to kind of like in my music to kind of like talk about the stuff that was happening mm-hmm. we that guys to date themselves aka boyfriend twins that we all like know about or i have this one song that entitled really loves called weak chins and it talks about guys who have beards but they have no chins underneath their beards but there's some guys who won't date guys without beards you know what i mean and it's like that's an amazing concept <laughs> or it's like or and they're the same type of guys who would like and let's talk about straight culture those are the same men who would say like oh women are like imposters because they take the makeup off of oh them. my god like, all the time okay dude let's see, let's shave off your beard or that mustache <laughs> mm-hmm. let's, see mm-hmm. that. let's see what's underneath those sirens chats hmm, interesting you know <laughs> it's so true though um or there's this one song that i really love that talks or, or a lot of my songs aren't all about like grading guys but it's a lot of it has to do with self-love too which one of my favorite ones is called breaking binary mm-hmm. and it talks about the power the power that we have as for people to be individuals and to create our own happiness and we have the happiness within ourselves you know we have to break our internal binary before we go out Mm. and break the binary of the world yeah Um, what i was gonna say is like if once you love your like find self-love and like just realize that relationships they're gonna happen if they're meant to happen i feel like mm -hmm. you feel a lot freer 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, you don't have to force it, which I wish I told myself when I was much, much younger because I've had so much heartbreak in my life <laughs> for no reason. You just put it on yourself, you know? And like, I will say moving to LA has helped my mental health for the, not besides the sun or being away from, you know, drama or whatever, but like the guys in Brooklyn are now realized that the Brooklyn gays, girl, they mm. are- They, talk they to ain't shit. <laughs> I'll just say that they ain't shit. And I realized because I've been out here and, and guys have been hitting me up and trying to do meetings and stuff. And I'm like, bitch, it's a pandemic and I love old people. So no. However, mm-hmm. though, however, though, I ha- I've had certain dates and stuff. And yeah, I might have got myself into a relationship and then I got oh. myself into a relationship. It was sad. Okay. Like, LA moves fast. Oh, and- I know. I was like, oh, <laughs> yep. I, wish- I didn't. I didn't I- who knew? Yep. But, uh, it's just crazy how like just a change in setting or scenery can can change this upward. Oh my god, absolutely! How, like, in this way, I felt like, oh my god, I'm ugly. Nobody likes me in here. I was like, oh damn. I'm like, you know, you look like, good. You, you're a snack right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up a point that you were talking about in the uh, our little first section. Yeah. Um, because. I remember we had this conversation. I don't know where this conversation was ha- having being held, but I remember you were very concerned about um, basically like hustling, trying to get stay relevant. Like you said earlier, like how you got burnt out eventually, uh, eventually, especially before pandemic. But I, I never saw you as like trying to keep up because I always saw you as like a community builder and how you produce shows and such. Cause you kind of like, you were such a great producer and you were create such spaces that were like super unique and dynamic and like shit that wasn't like getting produced or seen by a variety of folks in Brooklyn. So like, that's why I always admired you. Um, and I, I loved your shows. I mean, I didn't get, go to all of them, but I did go to quite you a, had a lot of shows. <laughs> um, to, to, to that point to having a lot of shows, but I thank you much. So that actually means a lot. Because I feel like as artists, we oftentimes have imposter syndrome where we don't see our worth until like after the fact. And we look back mm-hmm. and like, damn, I should have stuck with that. Or why didn't I see that? Um, and for me, how I got into producing was in two ways. A, like before drag and all that stuff. I think something I want, if there's any of our drag sibs or anyone who is the drag performer and wants to be a drag performer, Something I want to get out there is that if you want to produce a show before I even get into the story, how I got into it is that it's all about, you know, who you know, opposed to what you know, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, when I started to produce shows, I got my first show again from Jorge, who was then the producer of Autobox at Matthew Park. But now mm-hmm. a year into me doing drag, a year later, I got my first show anime, which was at the Deep End, which was the bar that he co-managed. Um, and prior to that, it, I forgot that like, <laughs> I had an experience of like marketing and doing events. And that's something I want to get into like, whoever starts drag or if you do drag, you have a life and an identity outside of your drag zone now. Cause you'll get so lost into what RuPaul calls the monster because it, it consumes you, it really does. Mm. So don't forget your skills and your assets cause you can use that in your drag career as well. And for me, I forgot, duh bitch, I literally produced <laughs> events for a retail brand like duh. So mm. then once I realized, oh wait, let me go to bars and, and present to them, okay, this is the theme of my show, this is what I projected I'm gonna be based off of da 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 da. And do you need to do that every time? Absolutely not. However, if you start conversations and not be afraid of hearing no, then at least the person will remember you. For, mm-hmm. yeah. 
opposed to doing what I hear that happens a lot in the scene. A lot of people complain about, oh my God, why does this person have that show? They're not being this good. Or why is this person mm-hmm. like, been in the scene for that long? And that was attention. And that a lot of that was actually said to me mm-hmm. and behind that. Oof. At that point, I was doing drag for about a year, and I had I had a show. And at that time, 2017, 2018, didn't really happen a lot. Um, because mm. I would say drag in general, um, is very gatekeeping in a sense. It's very, oh yeah, like, you know, if you're not part of this person's like good side, you won't get booked. You're gonna go to mm-hmm. this person's thing. However, I will say Brooklyn, there is an etiquette to being booked, which I respect in the sense of you kind of have to quote unquote pay your dues. Which is yeah. the formula that I kind of like saw in my head was a show that you want to get but that you would first obviously introduce yourself to that person you know don't assume the person knows who you are i'm like i'm gonna be booked to your show you don't know who i am da, da, da. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens you. a lot <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah so like make sure you introduce yourself to that person go to that person's show you know you know prior to the world ending go to that person's show uh and make sure that you go and you support that show you want to be in and then hopefully, you know, the person, the producer will see that yeah, you're supporting the show and then they'll book you. That's usually how it went. And that's how mm-hmm. I got yeah. my things. But when it comes to producing, that's kind of a different monster because you have to make sure you have a good relationship with that bar, you know, mm-hmm. not just the bar manager or the bartenders, but like the bar itself. And for me, I'm very respectful of my space. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and I feel like that has to do with growing up as someone who didn't really have a lot of space or just a lot in general. And, mm-hmm. you know, I will say that Granted, you know, my parents, specifically, specifically my mom, was not able to give me a lot in Kamalaya's growing up. But the one thing she told me was, that she gave me was ambition. You know, she told me that like, I don't care what you do, you can be the president or a hamburger flipper, but make sure you're like the best one. Mm-hmm. And uh, she never realized she was going to Capricorn, so that was the adding fuel to the fire. <laughs> but when I had my first show in producing, it was very, it was very, how, how can I put it? It was very challenging because it was definitely going up a stream or going like against the current because there was a lot of people blocking me for beauty shows because I was a. You have to remember, I was someone who was a black performer, so there was mm-hmm. there, there weren't even a lot of black performers in Brooklyn at that time, let alone being like let alone producing shows. That's number one. Number two, I was someone who was like androgynous looking, so I wasn't the aesthetic, the clear aesthetic of like a drag king or a drag queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that one of my songs too, where I says that. Um, <laughs> why do you care if I pat a tuck? I'm just feeling my dish and I don't give a fuck, you know? And like, who cares, you know? Oh, and I, and I say like, uh, I may not pat a tuck, but like, I'm a butch queen, you know? Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what, how I present, I'm not a look queen or a drag queen. Like, that was like the conversation at the time. So like, it was very out of pocket for me to get a show. But that, I feel like that was like the quiet storm that happened was like, I got one show and then I made sure that show was like kind of established, which was anime. And then my second show was Reparations, which was, mm-hmm. um, to my knowledge, the only black, you know, all black party, which really was not all black party at the time. It was just like an all POC party. And that was Brown Sugar, Mary Cherry's Brown Sugar and Macri Park. And mm-hmm. so me, I always had the mentality of see need, fill a need. I saw there wasn't a show that, produ- that was produced um, by black, black producers for black performers to create a space for them. And I wanted to have a fundraising moment to give money back to charities and causes like Princess Janae Place, who helps trans POCs or Black people in Brooklyn um, in general. You know, yeah. not to say that we need help above anyone else, but bitch, we need help. Reparations. That's literally what the whole thing is. Uh, That's right. And from there was kind of like, uh, as kind of like a, a snowstorm because after reparations, I had uh, 
damn, what did I have after reparations? I'm mean, like, anime, reparations, and then- Let's have uh, Wallbreaker. Wallbreaker. Wallbreaker, uh, I, was, I co-produced with Annalisa, which mm-hmm. I love Annalisa Campos. She is an amazing producer. She, that Wallbreaker, I say Wallbreaker is her party granted. She, she originally started it with a Bible Girl. Uh, oh, I've been to it when Bible Girl was there. Yes, oh yes, that was- Was the- that a club coming? <laughs> No, no, no. I was at Macri Park, darling. That oh, was Macri Park. Park. I've been there, though. I, I know. I was there when Bible was there back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when Bible Girl moved to LA, uh, Annalise and Bible Girl loved what I was doing in the, in the community at the time. So they asked me to kind of replace Bible Girl. Um, and so I kind of took it from there. And then it was like, let, Martyr said, let's have, which eventually became a competition. And I was at Dromedary Bar. Uh, and Dromedary Bar eventually kind of became like the the quote unquote home bar. Blackberry Park was mine. I would, if I had to say any bar was my home bar, I would say Blackberry Park was definitely that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dromedary was my space I was trying to create for myself and anyone else who wanted to kind of create parties that weren't happening. Cause let's have, the whole concept was that was, think of that Amanda show that was like a drag show where I just wanted to have random moments every mm-hmm. week or every month. It's like, let's have a musical, uh, ah. let, let's have a riot. Let's have beers. You know, we just had, oh, I did that with uh, DJ Lady Simon, superstar DJ. She DJed a lot of my shows. Also, Ghoul School, she DJed. I did that with Matt Uh Mr. So um, I produced, yeah, like my chair said, I produced a lot of shows mainly because I saw opportunities in the scene that weren't there. And I was just like, why isn't this happening? Why are the same people being booked over and over again? And I know that's a constant conversation that we have in this scene. But yep. when I say that, I see. I I would try to phrase that as sense of as in a sense of gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why only book the same? I always say that's why I book the same people. If you have an audience that comes frequently, granted for certain shows, yes, that works because that audience comes for that quote unquote cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if for me, I see things as a whole. I see a community of like different walks of life. Who can do? I can see two performers who can do something that other one can't do. Mm-hmm. And those performers inspired me for a show. Ghoul School mm-hmm. was inspired by the 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 altered ragglings of Brooklyn. You know, the underdogs of the underdogs. You know, the freaky ness. Because you would think Brooklyn would have a fucking spooky drag show. It, it, it doesn't. You would it, hope. It didn't. Ghoul School <laughs> did that. So that's where my parties would come from. I would look mm-hmm. at a performance like I I uh, I think they're so cool because I'm, I'm. People know that I'm a I'm like I call myself the hype day, you know of, of Brooklyn because when I see drag performers like. They make me, I just, I don't know. I see them as like superheroes for villains. So I see them with abilities and things like that. So I see if they march here, for instance, and they're like this priesthood and all these things. I'm like, okay, let's do a fucking Gothic cathedral, like Notre Dame party based on, you know, and we'll all like wear white and we'll all be like seven deadly sins and we'll have seven <laughs> sins versus the, the, the purities or, or the virtues, no, virtues versus sins. You know what I mean? And that was just, mm-hmm off of the, in that moment never thought of that before i had an idea for a show like that and it was going to be called church and it was going to be held on sunday and you were going to wear your sunday's best and it was going to be themed and what See, happened no, that. <laughs> and never and never took off so <laughs> <laughs> and nobody came to the service but i bet everybody was on their knees and sipping that wine weren't they growing mm. body mm. christ <laughs> confessing christ <laughs> Um, so you started a drag house. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. So my drag house is called the House of D. And the, the, the thing about the trademark D, specifically in my name, uh, 
that is a secret only with the house members for the D oh. in my name and the individual D's in all of our names. But mm-hmm. the D in House of D has the the D in it means dimensions. Oh. So like the House of Dimensions. So like, cause we, if you're in a House of D, you're able to kind of go and change your form no matter the situation or the setting. Mm-hmm. And so we saw parties as different dimensions or different, you know, parallels to our own. And so when we, let's say there's a party called, let's say, uh, like Lemon Chiffon's party, we'll go, we will go and we'll maybe mm-hmm. like have a little Australian, like a uh, Kylie Minogue moment. We'll go and we'll like, maybe like yeah. just speak for that. Or there's uh, like a separate like ghoul school, then we'll dress all like ghoulie. Or then there's, uh, <laughs> or like for oops. And then we'll just like, you know, have the energy of like, we'll just be those bitches for that night, you know? Or we'll go to like Monday's on Monday. And then we'll just like, you know, or like, you know, we'll just go different yeah. parties and like exude that with our essence. Or we would use that kind of like to challenge ourselves to like push our aesthetics. Cause you know, we aren't, you know, we're, we have many forms. And that was the inspiration behind uh, House of D. Uh, and the first house member, it's my first stillborn, Iodine D. Quartz. Oh, Iodine. yeah. Hi, babe. Who I want on the show, by the way. Yes. Let oh, him know. I got <laughs> uh, and then her sister, uh, Silo Siren. Um, they okay. are a recent addition. Silo Siren officially became a house member. Uh, so a funny story uh, about how Silo Siren became Part of the house same thing with iodine too iodine actually found on instagram during my incubation period mm-hmm. uh, you know just on instagram just trying to get inspiration for like my new forms and all that stuff and i just wanted to look at and i was at a point where i was just wanted to see other black performers because again mm-hmm. there were really a lot of black performers now i feel like that's growing but still aren't and it still needs to be i agree growing. i agree so I was on instagram and i found her and actually fun fact she needs this gig i started i was conversing with both of them too I really liked her aesthetic and I got this mindset of like, okay, I have this new form and I want to create a house. And so head up Iodine and at this time she was living in Philadelphia um, and she wasn't in Brooklyn. And so she was a fan of mine apparently. And she, I, I told her like, hey, you want to be good for my show? Uh, and she's like, yeah, girl. I was like, okay, it's this night. And I didn't know that she lived in Philadelphia until when she came that night. I was like, oh, where are you coming from? She's like, oh, Philly. I was like, bitch, what? She's like, yeah, girl, I'm talking with some friends. And for me, I feel like that shows, to, at least to me as a producer, like you want to be booked. Mm-hmm. For a show, if someone tells you like, hey, come out, support my show. If you want you support that person, especially if you come from another state, mm-hmm. bitch, you want, you want it. So, and I booked her. And so she kind of became my like stage kid for a lot of my show before she officially became my daughter. Because at the time I was only doing drag for maybe going on two years and I didn't really feel confident in it. Mm-hmm. But like, a lot of young mothers I took the responsibility and I made it work <laughs> 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 and she's uh, honestly uh, iodine is one of my best friends in the scene like she's my you know she literally a gem like a rock like she was my definitely there was a point in a in a scene where hourly I was you know now I can say I was successful and I did a lot of things but inwardly I was like imposter syndrome I'm not this bitch da, 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 and she was always uh-huh. She helped me combat that, and I was that confidant for her as well in terms of helping her find her sitting in the scene. Um, and then Sela Siren was her friend when she was coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was introduced to Silo Siren at Iodine's party called Period, which was at Happy, no, it was at Father's Knows Best. Um, and, and I really liked their energy. And for me, I feel like if I do have a superpower, that's a superpower to see the potential in people and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw her, and I was like, oh my God, I love their aesthetic. I love everything about them. And not to be like, I'm gonna grab them and add it to my house, but I wanted to slowly 
just start that conversation at first because they were they had a, a bad experience coming into Brooklyn community with another producer who actually mm. in a lot of ways. Um, and so I didn't want to I didn't want to come up across that way with them too. Um, yeah. And eventually they saw through iodine who I was and what the house was about and what I was about and the rest is is they stream. Um, and those are the two official house members, those two, and then they have their their offsprings and their gems that they're creating and forging. Oh, wow. Things. But when Iodine gets on the podcast, you can ask her about that. But I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let them know. Your grandmother, girl. Your yeah, grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look at this moment. It's just sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thing I tell my kids is that when it comes to the house, like I don't own the house. The house is all of ours. We all have keys to it because. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all do things what we want with it, but I can have a different iteration of it, or they can do their own things with it or without it. But it that that doesn't define our connection that we have because now who we are, we're family. You know, mm-hmm. we're, you know, if any of us have to drug or decide to do other careers, like we're in each other's lives, I can confidently say like forever because those two are like my hearts. Aww. Yeah. I think this is a good place to take a break and then I'm going to do the anime question when we come back. Okay, we'll be right back, kids. Bye! Bye. (laughs) Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Go fly. All right, we back. We ready? Um, yes, but we're back, kids. But an important question because okay. we kind of glossed over it. But um, I want to bring it up. Okay, Lay. Yes. What's your favorite anime? <laughs> Ooh, good question. Are we talking about currently or all time? Because currently and all time, those are two different answers. I say, what, what's the one that inspired you the most? Because I know you bring a lot of those elements into um, performance. You even did like a kabuki look for Bushwig from one year. Yeah. I remember that. That was great. Agrah. Um, yeah. I would say, obviously, Sailor Moon. Because yes. the my hair, Pretty Garden of Brooklyn, all of that. Mm-hmm. Which, one, which one's your favorite Sailor Scout? My favorite Sailor Scout, it's a tie between Sailor Saturn and Sailor mm. Uranus. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're oh, like lesbian ones. Like, yeah. Can and be that sexy. And then Saturn, I mean, as a Capricorn, just like emo destruction. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, I don't want to do what I got to do, but I'll, I'll wreck you if I have to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. <laughs> queen, you got to have the emo queen with like you can't have gender dysphoria without being emo like i feel like it just comes hand mm. in hand you know yeah I'll I'll your gig marks here. <laughs> oh I, I, for me i feel like like anime definitely helps with a lot of my drag performances and integrating in the scene because it had it involves a lot of that escapism i, I would say i mentioned <laughs> earlier which is like just imagining things like imagining an environment differently and so like me seeing myself as like this heroine and all my like new friends as like other like up up and coming like superheroes that was definitely like me living like if doing drag felt like I was living my own comic book in a sense like mm-hmm. I can go out wear this outfit 
you know, do a song, dance, rap, you know, dance with strangers, get paid for it, have a good time and like make new friends out of it. Like, mm-hmm. like life could honestly couldn't get any better. It, and I would say like with anime too, that's why I want to do my party anime. Cause I feel like anime has a lot to do with queerness in a sense, because a lot of anime characters or shown in anime, which is the genre a lot of us are like known to like, so like Dragon Ball Z, those kind of like underdog characters that mm-hmm. are off with nothing or like less than, and then you see them like work from zero. And then at the end they have like everything. And as a queer person, I feel like, how can you not relate to that? Especially a POC queer person where you feel like, okay, someone's either gonna hate me because of my skin color or you're gonna hate mm-hmm. me because of who I like. So the whole world's against me. I'm my own, I have to be my own hero. And uh, and and having that kind of like unique archetype of like being queer and black too. Um, growing up, I didn't have a lot of heroes I could look up to because a lot of the again like masculine figures, I didn't really like identify with. And so I looked for like non-fictional characters who can do these unworldly things, but it was in a realistic setting in a sense of like you didn't see them have all these plot holes like a lot of animes have where they just get these power ups out of nowhere. You saw how they. <laughs> worked and they trained and they had something to fight for which a lot of the times was the power of friendship mm-hmm. and I, I found out recently that um the reason why anime has a lot of things of like you know friendship is power is because they wanted to subliminally condition japanese children to kind of have that camaraderie with Aww, each other that's so, so I, nice i was like <laughs> Yay for brainwashing. I was like, okay. That's- <laughs> it worked. It worked for me. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, hit me. Hello, me too. Because now I'm just like, you know, it's like, how can you not enjoy life when you see things through a rose color lens? You know, and I feel like when you have that anime mindset, you have that part of your brain where everything is magical, everything's exciting. And so um, add that with drag too, then it's like, oh, damn, bitch. Like, I did transport to a whole nother world. Like, I would work my day job, work that, you know, nine hours, go home, get dressed, either go out to one of my gigs or go out and support a friend, which me like wearing being very dapper during the day and then being very gender non-binary at night, just looking back at it now, it was such a flip because those are so different like countercultures. And I think that uh, anime is very underground and that's definitely how it started in the States. And I feel like that ties into drag too, because drag, obviously started in the underground, which yeah. is they're both something that was very coveted behind the scenes because mm-hmm. the mainstream would be like, oh, that's weird or that's not acceptable. So I feel like those two themes tie in together too, like anime and drag. Um, so, well, yeah, that kind of like, cause I, I kind of into cosplay as well, not like super into it, but like I've been to like different like events and stuff. And it's funny to me, like how few drag cosplay crossovers there are because they're so similar I feel like like the communities yes. are really similar like the costumes are similar like the performances are similar like it's funny that there's very few drag queens who cross over to both and do cosplay I now that I've taken my break and did you know a lot of like in a work and like and uh like looked about a lot of this like how I got to where I'm at now I see how drag honestly is cosplay I say how we use drags to cosplay an identity that's in ourselves, mm. Whether that's like maybe a different gender identity or maybe that's a part of you that you always wanted to express, that still mm-hmm. is an identity. And I feel like you're cosplaying as that. Yeah. And not cosplaying as in pretend, but you are wearing, you're kind of putting together these ingredients to create something that's inside yourself, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. 
And I for agree. me, I kind of took Sasha Valor's mindset of of doing drag. It's like, why do drag and and have this power of alchemy, right? And alchemy in the mm-hmm. sense of like, have these tools to literally create anything. We can, we have makeup and fabric and we can, we've seen performers literally become other beings and creatures. And then for me, I'm like, if I have this power, right? Mm. If I can have this tool to, to change my form into anything, why for me, not for anyone else, but why for me, why would I aim low in terms of what my imagination is and just to switch my gender? Whereas I can not only switch my gender, but make that gender have superpowers. Yeah. So, you, know, you don't I, even have to be human. Right. You can be whatever the fuck you want. Yes. And, and I think that there's a lot of drag sonas. And I say drag sonas like a drag persona because I think a lot of our drag characters are personas. I'm just going to mm-hmm. say that. that is I mean, yes. <laughs> That's not controversial. That's true. Yeah. What are you and talking it, about? I don't have three other personalities. <laughs> My hair alone literally has three. Your drag sona. Your has like ten. Your drag sona has drag sonas, bitch. But <laughs> 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 your drag is Inception Incarnate. Ah, mm-hmm. gag. <laughs> um, who called it? I think Hazel said it first. Maybe you jumped in to it, but um, the Martyr Cinematic Universe, because <laughs> uh, y'all, okay. y'all can't see their faces right now, but uh, Lay just- We're, We too. are like not into it. <laughs> no, Lay had a little bug eye moment. So okay. Caitlin hates I, it. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> this is stupid, but okay. But I don't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe anyway. Oh, whatever. I mean, thinking about, I mean, well, talking about Cinematic universes, I will say something I would love to get out is that something I talked about heavily in my competition, let's have a competition, a little mixed bitch, uh, was, I wanted to really like tell those performers that like you have to kind of have a story arc with your with your drag sona because not to say that it has to you know you have to change your name or evolve it into something else that you don't identify with but it has to grow there has to be a start and there has to be a journey to it mm-hmm. you know it just can't be so static because at least not when you start out because then you'll plateau and if you plateau when you first start out then like where do you go from there mm-hmm. and so um, I think that a lot of us and even thinking of our, like our, you know, drag steps or like my drag generation in Brooklyn. And I consider my drag generation as anyone who was, who started performing in Brooklyn at the end of 2016, early 2017. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, like Harajuku, Magenta, like West Dakota, um, Mr. No, Mr. She, she was performing in Brooklyn way before me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like people who was like doing like in the 2016, early 2017, like people around that time, I would say, those are definitely people in Brooklyn who I feel like pushed the envelope in our in what Brooklyn drag could be. Because mm-hmm. prior to that, a lot of people don't know. Like according to my research, <laughs> uh, Brooklyn drag started out when I believe like Thorgy and a little before thing. Thorgy, but yeah, she so, kind of brought yeah. it more think, mainstream. Yeah, it was uh, like- Was it Crystal something something? That's what I've- There goes, Crystal something. Yeah, constantly told that that like brought the modern day Brooklyn drag scene. Yeah, and was it their party Saliva or Basalt? Something like um, I think it's Saliva. Well, I, I have it- was I, a little later. Yeah, Basalt's later. I think it's Saliva because I have it in my book somewhere. <laughs> okay. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that compared to that generation from the people who like started Brooklyn or started drag in Brooklyn, which was honestly to create a space where they can do their drag that wasn't accepted in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was already established that kind of scene when yeah. we started drag. So we were just trying to push the envelope in terms of just like 
we just want to get away. We just want to see how far we can get away with what we're doing. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of our people in my generation, we blew up so fast because that was that was the like season nine of Drag Race. So that's when Drag Race started to become mainstream, mm-hmm. season nine and ten. And so people wanted to pay money for drag or wanted to see people online do drag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's I feel like <laughs> I, I I always say how Brooklyn drag definitely was trendsetters at a time for drag and that kind of period I do miss Mm -hmm. in a sense because that was a a point where people were just doing it for fun and they were just uncovering gold instead of trying to force it in a sense it was just like there it goes first first I think it's called force versus flow something like that instead of just letting it flow and just like have fun and letting the parties happen and people get the gigs and things like that uh people just I don't know it's just yeah it's just not the same Mm. um let's talk about West Dakota she was involved with the Black Lives Matter um movement what have what has been your experience with the rise of Black Lives Matter and do you have any advice for people who want to be allies like West Dakota yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say for myself, um, just a quick little uh, anecdote, how I kind of got into activism was actually in 2017, the summer 2016, um, just I kind of like fell into it literally where I walked into a march that was happening when I got off of work. I was playing Pokemon Go because that's a summer Pokemon Go yes. thing. I miss um, it. I catch a Zubat and then I, know, I, right? I swear, I was like, why can I get a Zubat? I was like, why is everybody, oh shit. Okay, well, we're in this walk now. <laughs> and just, I didn't care about causes outside myself. Of course not. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course I did. But for me as a black person who was still figuring out my place in the black community, and that's a whole that's a whole thing, but mm-hmm. I wasn't at the at a point where I could put myself in harm's way for other people. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't in that that headspace yet. But yeah. hearing the crowd and how everyone was so passionate and how everyone was so outraged that their energy kind of like flow in, flew into me, and then I became outraged, mm-hmm. and 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 then started things just started to click in. I realized what the fuck like I should be upset and then I ended up on a highway and then I got detained (gasps) yep and then ever since then I was like you know what fuck the police it was really funny too because it was raining and I again left my day job was like you know retail so I had like a button-up shirt jeans and Mm -hmm. loafers on where everybody else is in all black and like jeans and sneakers and stuff yeah running and uh there are people who are asking our names as we're getting detained mm-hmm. and the people as they're trying to ask our names they're like what's your name what's your name to me and i was like alola day they're like what i'm like alola day they're like how do you spell it and mind you my hand is like behind my back as they're like putting like these like oh my god on me and it's raining and i'm just like never mind oh my god, <laughs> never mind. And, oh my yeah, god. no they're asking my name so then they can you know tell uh different uh, powers that be you know to help our sisters whether that be the national lawyers guild which is a nonprofit guild to help people uh mm-hmm. who are detained at protests so definitely look into the national lawyers guild if you are detained at a protest or if you see anyone being detained because you are legally allowed to ask the person's name as they're being detained or arrested so just know that um and then after that i wasn't really doing a lot of activism stuff until i was really doing drag until i started Going back towards, and towards, I guess Trump got elected because then he was doing a lot of immigration stuff, mm-hmm. and so I was going out to a lot of actions at that time, um, and I 
helped start this group called Like Voices For. And if you know about them, I we were, do. I didn't know I, you were involved with them. Mm-hmm. I was one of the founding members when we oh, first wow. started. And they do really great work. They do really great work. Um, and that organization, it was a unique experience. I will say for anyone who wants to get into activism, just research a specific group or cause before you get into it. Because nowadays with activism, a lot of it can be sensationalized for mm-hmm. cloud or for whatever, or for you know personal reasons that aren't the cause. And I feel like if you're doing activism, that isn't, and if your reason isn't for the cause, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, but I do suggest for people to do what's in their power because something that I did notice this past summer, which if you think about it, Black Lives Matter action, you know, and group started in 2016. That's when the group officially formed. I didn't know that. Because mm-hmm, that's what it was based off of Trayvon Martin. Okay, and, that makes sense. In that case, and then four years later, before another election, I'm just saying things to think about. Before another election, Black Lives Matter, all this stuff starts to happen and blow up on media again, and people mm-hmm. you know, police brutality. And so it made me started to really think and question the powers at be. And I started mm-hmm. to research stuff about the history of this country in terms of the police. And for those who do not know, the police started all out as volunteer slave captors to capture slaves. Mm-hmm. I did not know that, but when I tell certain folks afterwards, they're just like, yeah, I knew that. And I'm like, okay, but then why are we upset that police are racist? Or, you know, mm-hmm. New York City, when it was New Amsterdam, it was one of the last, <laughs> not only was it the first place where the Atlantic slave trade landed, but it was one of the last places to abolish slavery. But yet mm-hmm. we're upset New York City is racist as a state when it was founded literally on racism, you know? And so like, it's just things that it's like, if you don't know the history of things, and you get upset and you waste your energy in certain stuff, then you're gonna kind of like wreck yourself. And I mm-hmm. saw that a lot happening in the summer where, where a lot of people, it was kind of like the perfect storm in a sense of there was a pandemic. So people were just stir crazy already locked down in a house. But then a lot of people were not working. So a lot of people were either working from home or unemployment. And so you had a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands and some resources to go out and, and, you know, and do a lot of activism stuff, but they, they were treating it as a marathon, uh, sorry, as a race and not a marathon. And I saw mm-hmm. a lot of friends, you know, go out every day and like really just wreck themselves. And then by the time they really need, we really needed bodies or to keep the energy up, then it kind of just faded away. Um, so I just suggest for people to know, research what groups you want to be a part of and know the causes that you want to use your voice and body for and just know that there are certain parameters you can use yourself you don't mm-hmm. always have to put your body you know out there that's not for everybody mm-hmm. um, I always suggest do what you're able to do you know because I saw a lot of policing of what people should do mm-hmm. um, when it came to police brutality um, and that really frustrated me because it's like we're a we're all mourning you know especially that time too because that was three months into New York City being locked down or a lot of the lockdown yep. in the country um, and around the world um, so at that point, emotions were just raw. And so we were just mourning. And so, mm-hmm. but a lot of people were just play, placing blame on everyone else. And that never helps. That just adds more chaos and animosity. So um, I always suggest for people to um, be mindful of what you want to be a part of and how much of yourself you want to be a part of it. Because that is something I learned as the former pretty guardian of Brooklyn. Uh, mm-hmm. I for causes and putting yourself out for other people and uh, get into a point where you get so exhausted that you can't even do anything, you know, or you mentally mm-hmm. exhaust yourself where you don't even know who mm-hmm. you are, you know, so you just be mindful. Yeah. I also think it's important to do things for the right reasons and not for like 
bragging reasons or being fake uh, woke which is was my big thing because <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like oh everyone's doing it now I have to be like super woke about everything but th- that only lasted for what a couple weeks a month you if you're dedicated to a cause like keep going <laughs> yeah just keep going and like you don't have to talk about what you're doing as you're doing it like as it's uploading because again like mm-hmm. you're right? doing it for face value yeah uh, you know, and perfect example for me, which was like something that I, that hits close to home was everything that was happening with um, SARS in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for people who know what SARS is, SARS is an acronym for a police agency or not even a, or an official police agency. It's honestly, essentially just like this group of people who are policing a certain area in Nigeria. And so they've been doing it for so long that people have been looking the other way and kind of just gave them the right to do it. Essentially how the police here became police. Mm-hmm. And so what they've been doing, especially for that specific massacre that went viral, that gun shooting massacre, stuff like that happens all the time since the 90s. That's stuff my dad has been telling me about. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I first got a little excited when I saw a lot of my peers and, and people in my community share that stuff. It's like, oh my God, finally this is being talked about. And like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. And then it, it was like, I feel like for a week or like a weekend, everyone was posting about it. And then it was yep. done. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All the but, time. But then I realized, wait that's just the cycle of mm-hmm. a media not just social media just such a cycle of media in general mm-hmm. it's always the next thing the next topic so yeah. we have to be mindful of how we engage with the news that we see and the causes that we want to be a part of because we have to be mindful that we are uh, we are living in a generation where news and media is being bombarded onto us so frequently and mm-hmm. so often that we don't have a we often t- we often don't pause or have a break for ourselves to just digest you know this scene or experience um and I think that has to do with a lot of just going back to like how I mentioned it in the beginning how I took a break from social media Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm realizing now that's something that Felix in the future told me Felix and the future that he's such an amazing artist and he makes great ponchos so I would look look him up Uh, I I love ponchos I love Pancho too. He's so I know. <laughs> uh, so he gave me some great advice when I was venting to him about, you know, my break, um, my most recent break, <laughs> and how uh, I just didn't feel like I could trust social media or just like, or just like you know, technology again. And so, something that he told me was that like anything's a tool, and anything is what you make of it. And so if you feed in negativity, or if you like, or if you give it that kind of like negative, kind of like connotation then that's what it's going to be so don't mm-hmm. see it as that so I just think that as we see these things just like digest and take it with a grain of salt because if you let all this stuff get to you and exhaust you then you won't be able to be ready for you know the next thing yep I agree mm-hmm. so you kind of mentioned this earlier but what's the best advice you've been given in drag to do drag about Ooh. drag Oh, I know that. I know that. Okay, actually, two. Okay. Can I give you two answers? Yeah, of okay. course, of course. Well, you said, well, I guess technically I have one answer because if it's advice that I've been given. Or that you've given other people. As well. Or given other people. Yeah, okay. either one. The, the best advice I have been given, which was a very cautionary warning from Untitled Queen, who I love so much. She is the first thing I would consider to as a drag parent because he has just been like just a good friend to me mm-hmm. and helped with, like numbers and things like that in the past uh she yeah she told me that girl 
be careful when you start doing drag because at first it's fun and make sure you enjoy that moment because before you know it, it's gonna be a job. And then that's when a race happens, you know, the monster takes over and you won't, you know, you won't really enjoy it. And then I see a lot of people get burnt out or they quit drag or they get frustrated or they become, you know, or they just let it get to them. And and I see that with a lot of people now too, who I see who have first started out and now they have some experience underneath their lace. And so now they want to come out other people. And I'm hearing stories of people who are producing shows now or booking other people and they're gatekeeping or not paying people. And I'm like, I remember when you wanted to get booking so bad, or I remember when you were this ingenue and it's, it's just wild, but that's like, that's what any industry, honestly, mm. it's just, you know, just find a way to stay grounded or just uh, keep yourself with some good people. But yeah, the this advice I've been given was in, from Untitled Queen and that is just enjoy drag for the fun of it before it becomes a job. And the best advice I feel like I give into other people is kind of like a mantra I say to myself and to, just people in general nowadays, but I it was I was inspired by this phrase by actually the nobodies. And the first time I said it was actually to Lady Berica Andrews. And it was at it was after mixed nobody, I wanna say 2019, 2019. And she was just like soaking it in because, you know, for the nobodies, it was just a big moment for them because they packed out bizarre or Bushwick Bazaar or the one that's in Greenpoint, the one that's still open. Is that Bushwick Bazaar or Bizarre Bushwick? Cause they um, um oh, that's a good you question. would know martyr i don't know i think it's brooklyn bazaar um okay. it's also closed now so uh, okay yep. well they had well we're when the nobody's had a competition and they packed the house of the venue and Berka was just taking it in and she just not that she couldn't believe it but she i could just see it in her and the moment where she was just taking it in of how far she's come and for that group and what they're creating and the legacies and stuff like that and i told her girl know the presence that you carry and the power that you hold because we all have a presence and we all have a power. We may not know how, we may not know how big or small our presence is. So I always suggest people figure out what your presence is and learn how to grow it and learn how to minimize it. You know, keep your energy to yourself when you need to learn how to give it to other people. And the power is knowing what your power is because you all got a power. And once you figure that out, bitch, there's nothing you can do. Because if you know what your presence is, you can go to a room, people can feel you and they can, and then your power will be like, the rest wrap and and. And that was something I really wanted my friends who I called the ghoul kids, who were the altar, you know, the altar draglings, the people who weren't uh, mainstream, even for Brooklyn, you know, the people who weren't being booked a lot, the people who are my good GDs and that kind of side of drags. I, there was this one moment in drag where, or drag in Brooklyn where there was the cool girls versus the ghoul girls, like all the girls who were like pretty and fishy that didn't book any of the girls who weren't that aesthetic and they were going to fences and talk shit Ooh, about it. I didn't know about this. And so that really made me mad because I, I'm i the type of person who I can honestly be a social butterfly and I can be in like any scene and I'm known as someone who floats in different scenes in Brooklyn. And so for me to see that from both sides was very disheartening. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a side with the go girls because I love an underdog as I mentioned in anime. And so fuck Hell yeah. yeah. I can't be a go cool girl, then bitch, I'll be a ghoul girl. Like That's cool right. girl. When and now, we do in the ghoul school. Here we go. Oh yeah. I'm here for that. All right, Martyr, it's your one question. Even though you actually asked question. questions. Yeah, I, I've been so active. I'm very lately. proud of you. <laughs> this is a year of growth. Year of growth. Growth. So where do you want to take your drag in the future? 
where I want to take my drag in the future. Currently, what I want to do with my drag. Actually, I will answer that question the way I answered it when I applied for uh, my submission for Drag Queen of the Year. When that was going to happen, but then it didn't because mm. I just said, no, thank you. Mm. If I was Drag Queen of the Year, uh, the, I, what I wanted to use with that prize money was I wanted to start a like drag production company to kind of help support other people and their parties and their ideas to kind of help facilitate other spaces and cultivate moments of like uniqueness and kind of keep the spirit of like, quote unquote, what I consider Brooklyn drag alive. And what I consider Brooklyn drag specifically is just like living the, living the fantasy you wish to be. And so I wanted to be a producer so I can create spaces for that um, through that, you know, House of D production company, um, which is, you know, a goal later on. But now since, you know, there's a lot more things at stake nowadays, uh, I'm kind of reprioritizing where I'm using that kind of sense. And so what I wanna use now for my drag career is use this time of me growing up my facial hair and working on my body in a physical sense to uh, embrace, like I said, my masculine side and be a drag rapper. And so right now I'm focusing on um, just writing music, um, recording music videos and, uh, trying to kind of find moments where I can inspire people through drag here in LA. I'm just trying to wait till it gets more calm out here. Like something I was considering was like maybe doing like pop-up street shows and like the Santa Monica Pier. <gasps> I used to do that. And like, could you imagine <sighs> like, you know, me doing like, wait a minute and like Santa Monica and just like, like spy, you know, or like, uh, or- Oh my I, gosh. Or I want to use drag in a sense of activism. Um, mm. I, I have a, there's a group that I started in Brooklyn called the Black Lotus Guild, um, which mm -hmm. is a nonprofit, well, not specifically a nonprofit yet, that's the goal, but we're just a group of people who just wanna help in communities, whether that's education, whether that's uh, fundraising money for them, like everyone is doing nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. But what I wanna do with this group specifically is that when it comes to actual um, physical actions where people have to show up with their bodies is actually use drag and performance art and in a, in a sense to add, uh, you know, emotions and feelings to actions and causes. Um, so that's something that I'm working on slowly but surely, but I'm kind of taking my time. Well, do you think it'll come back to Brooklyn? So I did a post, uh, which is still up. Well, no, it's not up anymore. I did a post when I left saying, kind of just saying how like I'm never coming back that yeah. And I, and, try, and I try to say that I speak in definitives. Like when I, when I speak like, it's my fully. And so like that's slate and stone and I will uh, re redact that statement and say black lady may never come back mm -hmm. ever if I'm in another form, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Because uh, I don't want to put myself in a position where I, um, putting myself out for others when I'm not able to do that for myself. Mm. And so I'm just being very mindful where I'm doing that. And so I'm just doing what I can behind the scenes or behind the scenes, if you will. <laughs> and I, all I can say right now is just wait for V-Day for uh, D-Mixtape Volume 1 and D-Mixtape Volume 2, which will be songs from uh, the Ladyboy era and Black Lady era. So volume one is Lady Boy, but volume two is Black Lady. And then right now I'm just working on 
all my new stuff that will feature Black D, the aggressive, Gatling, gun, spitting, ghoul. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, thank you so much for being on a little shit show. Yay, this is definitely <laughs> one of our best episodes. I'm going to tell I you know. right now. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Oh, yeah. Um, where can the, the ghouls and the gays and the theys find you on the internet? Oh, yes. You can find me on uh, currently the Instagrams at black, which is B L V C K underscore D underscore. Or you can just go to Mark Tears following people who he follows, who they follow, and just look up Black D. I forget what the iteration of my Instagram handle is at this moment because I forgot, forget if it's the underscore before or after. I can check. I think it's black dot D. Isn't it? I, I was on your Instagram earlier. I thought it was black dot D. Um, hold on. It's fine. Oh, it's underscore black underscore D underscore. What Caitlin said. That's <laughs> work. It'll be in the description. Yeah, it's it's all of the description. Don't worry. But um, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, it's been too long since I've seen you, even though it's been like I think like maybe two months. But <laughs> it, for me, it's been literally like almost exactly a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Twilight Zone. Yeah. Well, let's not let it be another year before we uh, see each other, Caitlin. I really, I want to see you in LA. Like, literally, my quarantine yeah. goals after um, the world stops ending is to go back to LA, like just to visit. So, I want to see you there for sure. Hang out with uh, me and Shanita. Granted, we haven't hung out yet, but that's because LA crazy. <laughs> that's because LA is like where New York was earlier. Is LA still on fire, or is it just no, no? LA, now? everyone's just in the hospital. Okay, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. I hope that recovers soon very soon i'm very worried about all my friends out in la yeah but um we love you babe yay um thank you again um yay. i'm, I'm martyr i'm c tepper and this was Tepper, you can follow me on Instagram at C-T-E-P-P-E-R and read my book, The State of Drag, where I interviewed 175 drag queens from around the world. All proceeds go to charity on Amazon.com. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, dick pics, send them to DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Pandora. And catch up with past episodes on work.com. That's W-E-R-R-R-K.com. Artwork for Wigging Out was provided by Glitter Baby Online. That's Glitter Baby Online. Thank you.